Today, This American Dice presents the third exciting episode of Dungeon World, The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser. In their search for the missing heir to Piranese, can our heroes find him? Or have these hellacious hounds hidden him away somewhere? Or are there more clues that they've yet to find? Find out today for This American Dice presents Dungeon World, The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser, Episode 3. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it over to Comet. That's when Comet, who's like steadying himself, he's probably looking away at what Pascal is doing because it's like, do not look at this man who is now getting way too close to these bodies and messing around with them. And as you're kind of like turned over, uh, Comet, that's when you see this thing, and you're like, oh fuck, and it is this hideous snarling hellhound not like a demon dog but this like big hound creature and um it is unlike any dog you are used to seeing and it definitely sees you and uh tell me tell me something that makes this dog look very different than a normal dog that we would have in our world even a scary dog um, I will say that the snout in the front are very close to the skull. Meanwhile, the jaw juts out very deeply, like... Oh, it, like, like you thinking underbite or like big jack-o'-lantern mm -hmm. smile? Big, like not underbite, like more than underbite. Like it juts out maybe like four or five inches from where the snub of the nose is. Oh, wow. You remember uh, the character Violator from the Spawn comics? Yeah. Okay. Just so, a... like, something almost that extreme, except, yeah. <laughs> no, no, pretty much that extreme. Okay. Damn. Sometimes it turns into John Leguizamo. Um, <laughs> that John Leguizamo. That, he was the best part of that movie. <laughs> is, um, that, is that Luigi? Who is that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so you see this thing, and it sees you. And it just lets out this horrible noise. And Comet, you see this, but the other people, you guys can all hear it. Carl, what does this horrible sound sound like? So it's not like a howling like a dog makes. It's something else, just as loud, just as piercing, but it's not a dog howling. Um... Maybe it sounds more like if you've had like the, the cacophony of a bunch of cicadas at night or cicadas. I'm not sure how you probably pronounce that, but like somehow impossibly, like it's akin to that, like sort of clicking. It almost sounds like it's coming from multiple places, but it's just this one dog making this horrible, like insect, like chirruping. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, this is a horrible sound. Also, Carl, I will say when you first said that, I thought you said Chicanos. <laughs> and I was like, boy, all right. <laughs> okay. So... Yeah, but so this this insectoid noise that sounds like it's coming from all around kicks up, and all of you guys can hear this. And um, the way Carl just said that, I think it's tough to pinpoint it until you see Comet just staring at this thing. And um, yeah, and then who has the highest wisdom score? Just gonna. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Jared and David both going, no, not me. Probably Comet. Okay, so Comet, you, 
when you 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 see this Five. thing and you hear it, and then you know, after it made this noise, even though it sounds like it's coming from all around, there's another one of these things, at least one, another one or more, that also respond in kind. And you're like, oh shit. And so all of you guys now see this thing and it starts, uh, it's made this noise. And I think it starts running towards. I'm gonna heel toe and start Thomas screaming. Heather. Nice, nice doggy, nice doggy. Very high pitched scream. Yeah. And I think it, it just it bolts after you, like yep. or like right right towards you. Uh, I'm sure it is. I don't know because my back is towards it. Very smartly so. All right. Um, yeah, Comet. Let's have you make another defy danger to just fucking get away from this thing that's just barreling towards you. And I'm imagining this thing is, yeah, like like a mean-looking pit bull with a violator head. Yeah. It's, it's fucked up. Uh, that is a what with it check? Uh, dexterity, I believe. Dex. Okay. Where you're just like trying to like, you'd be like, fuck, I'm out of here. Just think of like the highest pitch scream that you can hear. Like the girliest, cowardliest scream. Uh, that's a seven. Seven. Okay. Not not bad. On a seven to nine, you stumble, hesitate, or flinch. Okay. So, always the hardest rolls in these games are the seven to nines. Because I got to come up with something to do for you here. So, you're going to get away from this thing. But, there's a slight hiccup. Oh, no. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two things. The fastest way to get away from this thing is to straight up run through the disgusting mess that you just were so horrified by before. Or there is a slower way, but you know it brings you toward one of the other sounds where you heard that you heard respond to it. Nope, go through the guts. Go through oh, the guts, God. not looking down. Not looking okay. down, looking forward. So yeah, so... Pascal, you probably like look up to this, maybe get to your feet, and Comet is already barreling towards you and past you, and just steps in a bunch of this stuff. There's a splatter of it everywhere, and it's just this horror as he's not only running and fleeing and gasping like to run as quickly as he can, but now also maybe like gagging and disgusted with himself for now what he is covered in. And, uh, yeah, the three of you, Pascal, Donato, and Farley. Yeah, this thing is run barreling towards him. Uh, is it still pursuing him, or? You know what? Since he rolled that seven, he he has gotten away from it. Um, and once it comes, and since he ran past you guys, once this thing comes here, it's probably going to. Oh. Oh, it. It pauses at the three of you, and it uh, howls again, making that terrible noise. Honestly, after the first howl, Farley probably would have dove for cover behind something. Sure. And pulled his bow and like knocked an arrow. But he's like, he's probably like going to slowly move his eyes out, like look around, like how many of these things are there. But he's trying awesome. to get some cover. Okay. Um, is he? He's focused on getting the cover. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't want to be attacked first. 
Right, so let's do that as a defy danger, because I was going to say, if you're focused on, on hitting this thing with an arrow, we'll just do that. Not yet. Nope. I want to defy danger first. Sure. So... I'd imagine this is either getting out of the way or acting fast, or quick thinking. I'm getting out of the way. Okay. Not that I'm trying to, to, to push it toward dexterity, but I'm, I am kind of trying to push it toward dexterity. That but... is okay. All right. No, knowing what the best thing to leap behind slash being fast to leap behind something, I think are both kind of tied. Total of nine. I stumble, hesitate, or flinch. All right. So, Justin, have you played Dungeon World before? All right. So, usually in the past, we've said, like, when somebody gets... Uh, you can assist another player with a roll. Um, and so when somebody gets it's really only worth it if they get a six or a nine where you could kick their score up by one into the next category and you basically roll all of you guys have a bond with one another so everybody would be rolling plus one essentially um so it'd be 2d6 plus one um and i bring that up because is there anybody who thinks they have a way where they would be assisting farley in his getting out of the way here like ducking himself out of danger. So actually, Pascal's uh, first res uh, kind of instinct was to make sure these two uh, softies are safe. Oh, I was kind of thinking that same thing with Comet. So maybe he's just like distracting. Like, here's a shiny spear, doggy. Gotcha. Okay, so you want to do that as? Do you want to do that as a defend roll or as a um, assist roll? Um, hmm. I, I kind of always forget how defend works. Um, you. Um, if this, if some, roll. yeah, it's a constitution roll. Um, the easiest thing to do would just be to do an assist roll real quick. Yeah, I'll just do an assist. That works out. Sure. That kind of makes more sense reading, skimming this over real fast. Okay. So go ahead. So roll plus bond. And that works perfectly because I'm going to try to ask you guys, like, how in connection to your bond does this, like, cool. what do you know? So what, uh, we'll, we'll have you make the roll first and then we'll help bother you with questions. Got another nine there. Another nine. Okay, well, that's good. It's going to kick his roll up to a ten. So that's a s full success. Um, so you view Farley as soft, right? Or you view Donato as soft? Um, I mean, I'm not too impressed with any of the three of these, to be honest. But, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I think, uh, so Farley, um, Pascal oh, had thought yeah. that, oh, he was a criminal, but he's kind of uh, making sure he doesn't get hung all the time everyone's trying to uh kind of kill him so i feel almost like pascal feels sorry for him and uh this doesn't i mean this just you know solidifies that all right yeah and so how do you uh and the way that you help is by trying to just distract this thing yeah so maybe he's like banging the uh like the end of the spear on the ground and just like waving the shiny end about all right yeah this thing um it definitely turns towards you and makes like a horrible hissing noise that sounds also with that like weird cicada um, kind of chirping or what was that insect word? That chirruping. You chirruping. I don't know if I've ever heard that word before. Um, I, could, I could be mispronouncing it. I've only ever read it. I'm not even sure it applies here. This felt good. All right. Hmm, my good feeling chirrup. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, you've distracted this thing. It kind of whips around towards you and makes this horrible, hideous noise. And yeah, meanwhile, Farley, you are able to kind of duck back behind this. Um, 
I think it's just a piece of this coquina that had been like a pillar from a building nearby that after the fire is all like burned up and has is knocked over and it's not very tall. It's only like three feet. If It's three feet tall if it's a mile tall. Like it's it's not very high up and you are ducked down kind of behind this, like hunkered down. Perfect. Um, and you're saying you're you're knocking an arrow to uh to try to deal with I'm, deal with this or deal with something. I'm getting ready to. I'm I'm expecting like an attack by many things. So I'm knocking an arrow and I'm I'm just kind of like looking around. But hopefully it didn't see me. I might decide to do something else. Like if I if it doesn't notice me. Gotcha. All right, Donato. You see this situation ahead of you. Farley has leapt out of the way. Pascal is like taunting this thing with his spear. Comet has absolutely blown by you guys getting the hell out of the way and uh, what are you up to alright he's gonna he's gonna do his thing uh, as a bard and he's gonna try and help whoever seems like they're in the best position to do something about this which seems to be Pascal spear child uh, so he's gonna weave a performance into a basic aiding spell uh, so I figure he wants to try and make it so that Pascal can um, deal more damage when he connects with this creature. Okay. So, um, what did what is your you're a writer or you you perform ballads? Uh, on his resume, it would say he does it all because he could fill in for the court entertainer technically and has occasionally. Um, he, I don't think he necessarily has an instrument at the ready here, but yeah, he can like write and do songs and whatever it takes. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you to actually sing that, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll have you make the role and then we'll see like what kind of like performance you, uh, you kind of weave into the ability to help Pascal. All right, let's do the role first and then see what, uh, what comes out of his mouth. Um, that's 2d6, right? 2d6 plus whatever bonus it tells you with that move. Charisma. Got it. Okay. I rolled a 3 and a 5, and I have a charisma plus 2. Eight. So that would be a 10. Nice. Uh, let's go with like a simple verse. Um, something like, um, and who should step up against the creature most reviled? Lo, it was Pascal, the, the spear's favorite child. Oh, very good. All right, and so what? What is the bonus that that gives Pascal? It doubles. It improves his damage. It gives him plus one d four forward to damage. Oh, nice! Very nice. Okay, cool. Well, then, um, then obviously the person we go to next makes sense to be Pascal. The intention here is to spear it, like you know, in its dog chest area and lift it up dramatically. Let's see how it goes first. A nine total. A nine total. Yeah, on a, I assume that's a hack and slash, yeah. Yes, on a hack and slash roll. Is there anybody who would want to attempt to assist him in this? And if so, how are you uh, planning to do that? I have uh, a bless as a spell. Would I be able to assist him with that? For the spell, you'd have to actually cast the spell first right. to kind of like preemptively give him a bonus in the way like just how Carl kind of gave him a bonus doing that. Right. I think it would be tougher because you've kind of run past these folks. Right. For you to assist in this, but you could maybe somehow. I figured being the loudest and the most active would cause some kind of 
confusion between the the multiple parties. I'm not sure. Okay, so maybe trying to get your almost get its attention back more on you. Uh, if I could find like a wall that I know that I'm like back to, it'd be like uh, notice that. Oh, I realized I just ran past my friends and now there's okay, not good. And uh, yeah, try to d- distract if I could be like, doggy, uh, so you're pretty dog. Oh, look at you. You're brilliant. You're not ugly at all. So pretty. Good, good boy, girl. Good, good dog. All right. So, yeah, so you're going to kind of poke your head back around, possibly putting yourself maybe more and in, like back into danger. So yeah, so Justin, could you um, roll 2d6 and just add one to the result? Maybe tell us something about how you are, after all, trying to convert Pascal to uh, Ilmater's good graces. Uh, Seven. Seven. That's with the plus one. That's good. And uh, I will say um, very loudly... uh, Ilmeta shines his uh, his uh, blessing upon thee and your very inanimate object of a spear and guides it and guides your very mighty arm. All Towards right. the dog. Stab it in the face! Stab <laughs> it in the face! So yeah, so that's, that kicks Pascal's roll up to a 10. Oh yeah. All right, so you got a lot of options here. You're already doing additional damage. Um, and you can choose not to be attacked in kind. Oh no, let's let's get let's get attacked again and do the extra damage, right? Sure. I mean, you've already got extra damage that you're doing because of Donato's thing. But if you want to just go go nuts, oh uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, let's see how how well this does first before you decide to go all out. I guess. So I- it. I mean, I think you're supposed to decide beforehand, but that's fine. Not a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I attack again is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I got a six total with that plus D D4 additional. Okay, so a D10 plus a D4, you got six? Yep. All right. Uh, and you're not oh, and getting hurt. It is too piercing, if that makes any difference. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, you're going to absolutely kill this... Uh, this horrible hound this orcish hound um does it look like what you described yeah i think it just maybe uh impales him and lifts lifts him up a little bit or all right her the dog yeah you you lift this thing up and it makes it makes what would be like a wounded dog noise but i think this creature is so strange and so like alien to you guys like it makes a sound that's just also terrifying where for a second it's like Maybe Pascal as a as a warrior, like he knows it's dead as a warrior, but Donato and Farley, like you guys looking on and maybe Comet from far away are like, oh shit, that thing's not dead. Like for a second, you guys are like, oh, it's going to keep going. And then when he throws it off of the spear, it's like, oh, never mind, I was wrong. <laughs> All right. On that note, though, Farley, you had said you're looking for, are there additional ones of these things? And you can spot that there are indeed... Two more of these. Okay. And you can kind of clock where they are, and they are coming toward you. And um, 
yeah, I mean, it's not difficult to, to surmise. Obviously, the first one sounded a call and the other ones are coming tw toward you. That's That doesn't take any smarts to figure out. Yeah, since, since, since they probably don't see me, I'll put down the bow and I'll slide the rapier out and I'm going to wait in ambush. And when one of them passes by, I'm going to try to to leap out and surprise it and stab it. The two the two biggest uh, ruckuses are obviously Pascal, who's hurting this thing, but also Comet, who had made a bunch of noise mm -hmm. further, so... Uh, and your last member is literally singing, so we're not exactly yeah. a quiet group. Yeah, you guys are not a quiet group. So if it's a choice of one going after Pascal or one going after Donato Comet, I would probably go after the one going after Donato Comet, because I figure that Pascal can take care of himself. I think Farley, you're observing these things actually, mm -hmm. and you maybe maybe you saw this like while Pascal was killing this, and um, hmm. can you just real quick make a, an intelligence roll for me? Sure. Or a, or a intelligence or wisdom, either one, whichever you'd prefer. I'm gonna go with intelligence because uh, that gives me a ten. If it was a wisdom, it would be lower. Awesome. That works out because I was kind of like this kind of seems more like a, a spout lore. Mm -hmm. um, you've hung out with nobles while they've hunted with dogs mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And um, you know that like among some hunting dogs, what they like to do is basically overwhelm their prey. Like they don't one on one attack their prey, especially when their prey might be dangerous. They want to surround it. So mm -hmm. you noticed when this thing came in. Uh, after, when it was chasing Comet and he was a fleeing uh, item of prey, it was attacking him and snarling and being super vicious. It stopped when it met someone who was facing against, off against it. Mm -hmm. And then when the other dogs, when, when Pascal killed this hound, the other hounds stopped. And you realize their game plan is not come after you guys they're going to go get somebody to mm. alert them to you. So they're going to, you're like, this is when the dogs would come back to the hunters and then okay. leave the hunters here. Then, then when I lunge on one of them, I, I'm going to try to backstab it. I'm going to try to kill it as, as fast as I can. I'm like, get the third one. They're going to warn the orcs. I'll just use orcs because I don't know who the enemy is, but I'm going to assume orcs. Sure. Um, and you said you're going to try to do that with... Uh, like, well, I'm gonna like a backstab technique rather than trying to shoot them with the bow. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, I, I can't do it with the bow. I have to use a melee weapon. So I'm lying in ambush, and when I leap out and I stab one, then I'm gonna shout that like, "Get the third one! It's gonna sure. warn the orcs." Yeah, go for it. So you can make that. Uh, what is it called? Dirty tricks, or dirty fighter, or is it just? It's, it's just. I think it's just backstab. Yeah, some of these moves every now and again will have, like, clever little names, and then other times it'll be like, this is exactly what it is. Yeah. It's called Punch Him Hard. Yeah. <laughs> I got a nine, so I get to choose one. Um, yeah, crap. So I, I, I cause damage, but I, in addition, I want to create an advantage to, um, to anyone acting upon it to have a plus one in addition to that. So, like, I set it up so that they can, they can hurt it, too, more. All right, so you're going to set somebody else up. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so go ahead and deal your damage to this uh, to this orcish hound. Six. Six? Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so I'm going to tell you this. That kills this thing. 
But to make sure that that role meant something, if somebody else is attacking the other one, that bonus could be applied to that one. We could say that they are the hounds. That sounds great. Thank you. Rather than individual creatures. So, um, Pascal just heaved this thing off his spear. We've got Donato. We've got Comet. Would either of you guys, uh, Donato or Comet, think that you'd be, like, able to quickly respond? I think, Comet, you're probably farther away. I don't know if you have, like, a ranged method to deal with any of that. I do not, unfortunately. Okay. So we're looking for someone to try and intercept this last dog. Is that the idea? Yes. Yeah, this this hound is 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 theoretically uh, Farley has has signaled to you guys that you have to stop these things, and they are they had turned to leave. Farley killed one of them, and the other one is it's gonna it's gonna get on out of here unless okay. somebody does something about it. So would it would it make sense in this scenario if like Donato's way of helping like the urgency of the situation was to again like alert pascal to what's going on and like try and augment his chances to like take care of this i mean you can do that <laughs> is there a thing that you can do and maybe pascal can help you or do you think that you're just going to try to help pascal if he does something oh no, I, don't, I don't mean like a help role but like another like weave a performance thing like my action would be like augment his chances of like taking care of this or would that not be sufficiently like that dog's about to get away? You need to do something right now. Hmm. I almost think it has to be like, like that's like a two-step process. Is there anything that's a one-step, a one-step that you can do to stop this thing? Um, I have a bow, so I I could give that a shot. Literally. Could give. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. I'm uh, the, I, who's the bard now, Carl? <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, I could I could do that if I feel like um, Pascal's not going to get there in time. I can try and bloody my own hands up a bit. Yeah, because I'm imagining that some of this is going on while he's... That makes sense. ...in the process of he's probably getting this thing off of the spear, and he'll be mm-hmm. ready, possibly even to assist you in some way or another. Um, but, like, you're the person who has the go at it right now. Got if it. you take a two-step process to this, this thing either gets away or we'll have to have some other nonsense occur in between. All right. Then I will go ahead and knock an arrow and unleash a volley at this creature. All right. Do it, Carl. All right. Let's see here. So you're going to be rolling 2d6 plus your dex bonus. Yes. I got a one and a six for a total of seven. So I'm in the seven and nine range. All right. So... When you are attacking an enemy with a ranged weapon and you get a 79, you have to choose one of three things that are not the best. Uh, you have to move to get the sh- to get the shot, placing yourself in danger. You have to take what you can get and you do minus 1d6 damage, or you have to take several shots, reducing your ammo by one. How realistically bad would it be if I actually picked that one? Um... I feel a lot of people are always terrified to do that. Are we? Uh, are, and I, I think on. it's it's not super realistic. Like to use your ammo in this game. Uh, so long as you just keep shooting and never choose that option, but are succeeding, you never use any 
ammo. There can be some kind of negative, like, on a failed roll where I'm like, oh, you drop a bunch of your shit, including your ammo. So now you don't have that. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's, yeah. I, I'm inclined Carl, to just pick. Sorry, go ahead. Carl, uh, Farley has ammo too, so he'd be gladly he'd be glad to give Donato some uh, some of his ammo if you run cool. out. Cool. All right. I mean, as a player, I'm inclined to take that one because I'm like, who's counting ammo? Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to be like cheap about it. But we, I, I think if that's a legitimate option. It. I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then I'll I'll go ahead and unleash several uh, hastily fired shots at this thing. Awesome. All right. So you reduce your ammo by one. And go ahead and uh, roll whatever your damage die is. Oh, um, I don't know what that is at the top of my head. It's just a regular old short bow, I think. Let well, it's it's per class. So as a bard, oh, I see. Okay. Your damage die is uh, a d a d six. So yeah, Got good it. thing you didn't do the minus d six. It could have totally undone your. Yeah. Okay. So just a standard d six then, huh? Okay. Yes. I got a. <laughs> I got a six. This die roller you sent me, David, is excellent. <laughs> is this the one you were using throughout all of this American monster where you're like, I got you know a 14 I, again, I, baby? I, I, no one hates this more than I do because I'm always just like, I swear I'm not making this up. Yeah, there was only there were only one or two games that we've played where it was hilarious that you guys were just fucking up every two seconds. I forget yeah. which one it was, but it was, it was very funny to me. Um, but yeah, uh, Carl... You're gonna kill this thing with an arrow. What is describe that scene for me? Uh, okay. Let's say um, you know, he's just hastily trying to get like shots off. He knows he's not a great shot. But he's just going rapid fire with it, and just by luck, the very first one hits this thing in the leg, and it like stumbles and goes down, and all the rest of the shots are him just getting closer and closer and just unloading into its body. Oh my god! Carl is mob hit uh, <laughs> dist- uh killing this thing like in the freaking scene at a casino okay so yeah uh these horrible hideous creatures are are dead about you they haven't gotten off they did make a lot of noise um comet you also made a lot of noise um and donato your loud pronunciations about how awesome pascal what is uh weren't subtle either so again you guys we can't say you snuck over here for sure but these things are dead. You guys can get back together among this horrible scene of this orc and this honor guard that are dead. There's now one of these orc, orcish hounds. What's what's the game plan from there? Uh, I'd like to, when I reconvene with everyone, I'm just going to be like really excited. I'll be like, fuck yeah, that was awesome. That was so cool. And you're like, and you put the dog up and you're like, oh, just a spear, whatever. And then you, and Donato, you're like singing inside. That was so, that was so cool. That was so mental. Ah, my heart's beating so fast. Ah. <laughs> and I think Pascal just like slaps him on the shoulder. It's like, ah, your first battle. You'll never forget this. And like the audience just sees like a big handprint of dog blood on his shoulder now. Like Farlow walk over and look at the dog with the arrows and go like, Donato, that was a, a lot of arrows. <laughs> just kept will. shooting it and shooting it. Here, take some of these. And he <laughs> he has like, some ammo. <laughs> Donato will put out his hand. Uh, he's like trying to be really cool about it, but like his hand is shaking, and like uh, he's trying to like put on a good air about it, but like it should be pretty clear to Farley at least that like he did not enjoy that experience. Like he was much more scared than competent during that. 
Yeah. So maybe this is some of where it's kind of like furthered to the audience that you guys are the C team to a certain degree here where it was like, you guys did some cool stuff, but there was also like a lot of like, Oh man, some of us barely were able to do that. Oh, oh, Farley will pat Donato in the army. He's like, it's best if they don't, they're not looking you in the eye when you kill them. You know, it's best when they're turned the other way. You just stab them from behind. They don't even know what happens. Donato will say, uh, yes, I'm beginning to come around to your take on war, uh, Warcraft. It makes a lot of sense. To go along with what Farley learned earlier, these dogs were going back in a particular direction. So it does not take any kind of role to be like, whoever's, whoever are the masters of these hounds are in that direction where they were just running back to them. Um, on, yeah, unfortunately for you guys, I will say this also. That is kind of the direction that if you had to choose, like, from the docks to this point, if that line kept going straight, that's where you'd be headed. You do not have to continue going that way. You do have someone that at least before the destruction of this area knew it well. So you could try to find some kind of surreptitious route to move parallel to it or... Yeah, Donato will definitely sort of volunteer. Like, I think he knows... I mean, at this point, everyone kind of knows from, like, his guiding the boat that he's been here before many times, even if they don't know the specifics of why. Um, and Donato will sort of volunteer and say, um, well, and he'll, like, sort of point still a little shaky in that direction. And he says, um, unless we've got any better ideas, it seems like that's where fate would have us go. And and he'll say, um, I can... Uh, I can use my memory of what this place used to be to get us there um, in the, the least uh, obvious way possible. Do we know where we're going? Uh, what is in that direction? That is a good question. So I will, I will actually put that to you, Carl, as the person most familiar with the area. And then I'm going to have a question to ask uh, Justin about it. So... Um, there is a large, or at least there was, I should say, you don't know if it's there anymore. Um, a very significant, large, I call it a monument, but it's something that would be like a, whether it is kind of like a big deal building or a statue or an area where it's like, oh, everyone in the corridor would know where this is and use it as a waypoint. And they seemingly are going right toward that direction. So what was this thing in the past? Sure. You're like, why, that's right towards the old mill. Like that kind of a... All right. That's, um, that's a dumb, goofy version of that. But, you know, like, oh, yeah, the, the St. Louis Arch is that way. Like that kind of a thing. Like, oh, well... Well, you, you need to think of any landmark, and that's what took you the longest to come up with. Because I was so going to say Statue of Liberty, but it's on a separate island. So I was like, wait, that doesn't work. Yeah. Get off of this island, right? Yeah. Go to this other island. Exactly. If you're on the island with the Statue of Liberty, I guess it wouldn't be hard to find it. It is also the only thing there. Yeah, I need that the truth. Okay, sure. Let's say that, um, you know, it's it's sort of the town center uh, which, of course, everyone living there would have been... Well, not town, but you know, the quarter center 
everyone would be familiar with. And let's say that yeah, it's like a big, like a big statue of an orcish hero, um, like sort of a folklorish like orcish hero out of legend that was like this this great um, combatant. And this hero was really skilled with magic. They were like a revered mage, basically. And um, you know, to the orcs, you know, this was a creature like a orc out of legend. Everyone knows their story, uh, and why wouldn't they put a statue of them here? But to people who didn't live in the orcish quarter, they'd be kind of like, oh, of course, of course, they're gonna, you know, revere like a bloodthirsty um, uh, killer in the middle of their quarter. And when you tell the other people that, oh, we're going to this great statue of this orcish leader whose name, oh man, everybody sounds like Klingons. <laughs> Durthag, Durthag or Durthog. You guys can tell me which is the correct pronunciation. I'm not great with orcish myself. Um, this is where this huge statue was. Um, Comet, as a learned man, you have heard of this leader. Why did the church especially think that this person was, why did the Church of Ilmater think that this person was like particularly like bad or gross or the opposite? You could flip it on me if you want. Um, I would say we heard pray tell of their, uh, you said they were a mage, yes? Right, some kind of, some kind of uh, magic, magic user. I'll say this. We heard of their um, magical prowess uh, that they were able to cripple uh, three uh, fleets of warriors to their knees with a single wave of their staff. This is someone we need to fear and not piss off. Even the statue. I don't know if the statue is just like a living statue. And then I'll add to that Pascal as a warrior um this person is kind of revered as not only a mage but also as like kind of this great uh like chieftain um what is the uh what is the the feat of fleet crippler darthog what was the thing that made them martially so aside from their magical ability what made them martially so uh potent or like so worthy of uh admiration and let me let me actually phrase this since we've we've gone so scary. What made them so worthy of admiration? Um, even though you don't know about the orcs personally, just David, what made the orcs admire this person so greatly? There we go. I changed that question up like three times in the middle of asking it. Sorry. Uh I'm I'm thinking maybe uh he was a like a really good naval strategist, like he had really good naval strategy that uh before this humans think thought that oh don't worry we'll just send all our fleets against the orcs they're just orcs come on and he was able maybe he maneuvered them in such a way that there was like a pincer move or something and this is when he unleashed his magic to kill like three fleets all at once and they're like that that was so tricky that the Durthog maneuver okay so yeah so orcs uh particularly look up to this person because they're viewed as um someone who showed that they're not just these kind of like savage killers but also can tactically like like think tactically and uh especially this being kind of a city that bases itself on naval trade the person that was is most 
the orcish leader most associated with ships is this person. Like this is the the Henry the Navigator or um who is that super famous Chinese admiral who some people are like he probably discovered the or discovered came to the western hemisphere before Columbus. I don't remember either. All right. Jing He? No. I don't, I don't know. I, I got a book and I don't want to move a soundproof blanket to get it. <laughs> um all right. Uh yeah. So um that's where they're headed. Like they're headed in those those these hounds were headed in that direction, and um you guys know whoever sent those hounds out, that's where they were. And Donato, if you want, you can try to kind of surreptitiously round the way. You can kind of try to uh, not go straight for this. I mean, that would be the fastest way, but you could try to go around in a different direction to get to the same spot, though maybe from, for instance, if you're heading east. Right. You guys to get there from like the north end of the square or the south end of the square or circle all the way around and go around the thing, which will take the longest, but then from the east end. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I picture it as kind of like a literal, like, well, not a square, but like a, like a circle uh, with a statue in the middle. And then back in the day, there'd be like a marketplace. Everyone went there all the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone would pass through there at least once a day. And it was like a bustling area, but you know, market stalls would be like the first things to go um, during violence. Um, but let's say, like, unless there's any objections, we can try and go, like, all the way around it and come from the back, which someone expecting people to come from the docks would be the last place they'd be looking. It seems like the game plan that you guys have is Donato is going to try to guide you around, um, I, I call it, like, the town square, but it's essentially like the central hub of this quarter. Um, the marketplace where this big statue of Durthog Fleet Crippler is or how, was. How big and, is this statue? Or is it you saying was? Is it like destroyed now? Or um, From where you guys are, we're at this like this horrible scene of uh, orcish dog death and also these two people that brutally close quarters eviscerated each other um, you can't see it Donato definitely knows it the best of you guys if other people had been here you probably saw it too that's a good question Donato how big is this thing are we I it's really I, big and really impressive for this quarter not at all compared to if this was like the capital like city or anything like that gotcha um, is it the kind of thing where it's like life size but just on a big pedestal yeah, let's or say is it's it like, like barely bigger, big. barely bigger than life size, but like to them, like and they give us like a a reverence and like a, a space around it that was still very much like a it stood out you, but compared to you know like an equivalent statue in the city proper, it had been like nothing. Okay, cool. So this thing, this thing looms looms large in part because of its, or it loomed large in part because of its place in the community like at the center of this trade hub that was at the center of the quarter and uh, like, and within the minds of the people who lived here. Um, 
But yeah, the game plan is to circle around and try to encounter and try to basically cut these folks off if they're continuing in that direction to almost cut them off and surprise them by being ahead of them. Sounds good. All right. So I'm going to basically do this as a almost as a perilous journey again. Um, except instead of, again, instead of this being like, oh, this takes you, does this take you days? This is like, does this take you 45 minutes or does it take you a couple hours? Like that kind of a thing. Um, and then similarly, we don't need to worry about a quartermaster in this situation, but we do need to make sure that we're not, so we've got a scout and a trailblazer in this. We're not dealing with days, though. We're dealing with probably, like, hours. So who... Donato would probably make sense to be one of these people. Likely the Trailblazer again. And then um, somebody else to be our scout and make sure that we're not ambushed. I can be the scout. All right. Sounds good. Um, Donato, does that make sense for you as the trailblazer, as the person kind of like showing the way? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So I'd, I'd love for another person to make that role, but it does just make sense in the fiction that we've created that you're leading the group. Okay. So let's see how long this takes us first. And already you guys have made very good time by like getting here quickly on the ship. And I do have that calculated in as like, these things that could happen haven't happened yet. Okay. All right. So yeah. So that this would be a wisdom roll in this situation. All right. Uh, who goes first? Uh, Donato, go for it. Or Carl, as Donato, go for it. All right. I got a three and a five, and my wisdom is one, so nine. Nine. Okay. This could take you like an hour and a half ish to get around this way and to kind of go surreptitiously around this. Um, is that an okay amount of time for you, Carl? Um, I mean, I see it as more like, oh, he thinks it's only going to take like half an hour, mm -hmm. but just like the, the steady decay since the last time he was here, which was years ago, has made all sorts of obstacles, like buildings have fallen down and the route just takes longer. Yeah, absolutely. So you have some advantages in that you can just kind of it go through what in the past would have been buildings, but there's no just steady route. Like all of the terrain is difficult or nearly difficult terrain. If we were working it out on a grid here, like all of this stuff is annoyingly like, okay, I'm moving slowly because I'm walking over um, literally crumbled ruins. Uh, meanwhile... Farley, you're the one who's on the lookout for, are we going to be ambushed? What's the deal? Okay. I'll make that roll. I got a total of a four. All right. So as you guys are kind of heading around, you get to an area where things kind of clear out a little bit, and you think like, all right, we're heading, getting closer to the, um, getting closer to like the, the, the quarters hub, the where the marketplace had been, where the uh, we're pretty soon going to be around it. 
if you're trying to get up to 12 o'clock on a clock, you had been at six o'clock, you're trying to go all the way around and get up to 12 o'clock, you're over here at like two. And you're making pretty good headway, you think, for as difficult as the terrain is. And um, that's when you've been on the lookout for, are there any more of these dogs? Are there any of these orcs? And almost the terrain itself gets the better of you. And you guys end up falling into a pit. Each of you make a um, a defy danger roll. You're falling into this pit. But could each of you make a defy danger roll for me? So for defy danger, do we get to pick what we oh. roll if we sufficiently describe how we deal with this or no? E okay, so let me just give you the, the situation and then yes, exactly, Carl. Um, so there are... Uh, there are some spikes in the bottom of this pit, and you could end up taking a not insignificant amount of damage. Um, so the defy danger is not to not fall into the pit. The defy danger is to not be skewered on these spikes. That's my thing. This one is uh, this one's a tough one. It's a toughie. I'll uh, I'll try to use quick reflexes to leap and grab onto any kind of like um, debris or like vines or anything that might be on the side of the pit. Absolutely, yeah. This place is, is like, in ruins, so the fact that there could be vines or roots or other stuff or just, like, I was going to say rebar from construction, but that's not the kind of society that they're in. Um, but, yeah, there could easily be that kind of stuff. So, Farley, go for it. Or Jared, that's Farley. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, I... I rolled, I got a 10. I feel so trashy because I totally let people down and then I totally evaded <laughs> this trap. Like I'm like, sorry guys, I didn't spot that, but I'm safe. I got us in trouble yeah. and then I got out of it. Uh, <laughs> got a 10. All right. So yeah, so Farley's able to kind of like leap up and yeah, maybe exactly that. Like there's roots growing out of some like tree that's gr like in the past maybe was this lush beautiful tree that now is just this dead thing that you're kind of scrambling like trying to pull yourself up and out of this pit who's next i'm going to attempt to use my shield as a shield and kind of like cushion my fall and make sure none of my body is jutting out of it and i'm just going to try to make myself as small as possible as i'm Hitting down with the shield. I don't know if that's dex or uh, quick thinking with intelligence. I could go with either of those. Um, I'm going to go with intelligence because it's higher. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, if I use the shield as a shield. If I <laughs> the card tells you what it does. Um, oh, that's good. Uh, that's a six. Not good. It was it was sarcasm. All right, yeah. chasm indeed, Justin. That's a slide right. chasm. Yeah, we'll come back to you in a second. That's that's not good, uh, Pascal. Oh yes, when you fail, whenever you fail, you get experience. Thank you for bringing that up. I forgot that. So whenever you fail, you mark an experience point that you get. That's a that is a big that is a big deal. All right, Pascal. What's 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 his game plan? Yeah. So when he when he feels uh the the ground go out from beneath him, I think his first instinct is to kind of point his uh spear downward. Um, I mean, this is a dumb dumb uh example, but if you played that 
DuckTales video game for NES, where he would jump on the cane. That's kind of yes, the, the first I thing can I can think it. of. I was trying to think of a better example, but that's that's all I got. I mean, um, pole vaulting? Would pole vaulting yeah, work? I guess. He's not really vaulting. He's not but, vaulting. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah. I mean, you can call it pole vaulting. That's way cooler than the Scrooge McDuck video game, so I think I like that. I don't know about that. Uh, so, yeah, I think his idea is to kind of have it land on the point of this thing, and then he would just go to the wall and hopefully avoid these spikes and, you know, cushion his fall a little bit. I was trying to decide if that's uh, more of a dex or intelligence too. Like the way that the uh, the um, way they said quick thinking for intelligence really uh, caused a lot of confusion. I feel. I feel that's. <clears throat> I feel that's almost having to sum up more of what's going on and be like, this could work this way, as opposed to just like, yeah, and, mm, and okay. leaping. Yeah, so, I'll go dex then. Sure. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I was saying the other, the other oh, thing. intelligence. Like it's yeah, that it's more you figuring out like I could use this to stop this from happening, rather than solely just being entirely based around your 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 speed. Okay, yeah. So if it's intelligence, that's a seven. All right, and then finally Donato. Carl has failed to come up with any clever ways around this. So so has Donato. So let's say that he was taking up sort of the rear and. Um, when this trap reveals itself, he's sort of like teetering on the edge. He's trying to like use his dexterity to like windmill his arms and not go into it. So let's see what, what happens here. All right. So yeah, so you're you're just gonna again try to just stabilize yourself here. Yeah, just try and not fall in it, or you know, like unless uh, either I not I... fall in it or like grab onto the edge before he like hits the spike. Okay. Uh, I got a six and a four. All right. Ten. All right. So yeah. So you do something similar to Farley, and just kind of like pulling up the rear. This thing opens up, and you're able to kind of turn around, and we see you fall. Like we see everybody fall. Then the camera maybe goes up. I'm sure there is a specific move term for that movement, as it like goes in an arc. I know one you. word, and it's pan. But I'm I know, sure that's yeah. not it. <laughs> it's a tiny goat man with a flute. Um, but yeah, you've you've turned around and fallen, and we see that you're holding on. We see that Farley's kind of scrambled himself onto this these branches of this tree. That's like it. It looks very dead, and uh, or like burned out. And so he's clutching at stuff that's maybe kind of some of it's falling as he's holding onto it. Um, meanwhile. Uh, the camera then like shoots down below as we see two things have happened that are not so good. One is that, uh, Justin, you said, what was your score? You it six, was a right? six. Yes, a six. All right. So in failing this one, <laughs> um, so go ahead and roll a D8. D8. Wow. Yes. Seven. Oh, damn. All right. So your armor does subtract from that. So if you have an armor of one or two, it just subtracts it's from that one. number. Yes. Okay. Well, the so shield this... is my one armor. Yeah. Um, so this, this is this is a pretty rough experience for you as you're going to fall into this pit with these kind of spikes. I want to try something going forward, which is you're definitely physically hurt, but hit point damage doesn't have to solely be reflected as like physical injuries. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not constantly like, Oh, 
in order to do six damage, you got stabbed in the stomach, like that kind of a thing, just like in the fight, like Bruce Lee's still getting hurt when the guy slashes that thing across his chest, even though that probably, that doesn't seem to affect Bruce Lee in the slightest, just narratively, now he's on his back foot while he's fighting that guy. Right. So, yeah, so it's not, you guys don't have to walk out of here being like, oh, we're absolute mangled, bloody stumps (laughs) of people, but we succeeded, yay! Uh, so yeah, so you're injured. If you want to describe to me what that looks like, and I say spikes. So this was definitely a trap that was set by someone. This isn't like a yeah. naturally occurring thing. And then you fell on stalagmites. Um, this was a trap that was set by somebody, but I don't know if it's like wooden sticks, old like spikes, old weapons that have been put down here, broken yeah. glass in the bottom of a pit. Ooh. Like you, you tell me how you get hurt. Um, you got hurt pretty bad. Uh, I feel like it's it's rusted old swords, and I really like that broken glass idea at the bottom. Uh, so as it's not as much as like a tall spikes, it's short spikes. So I would say that my knees and uh, shins are just tore up. All right, yeah. So landing. it's like it's almost like they're chewed up. It's whatever sharp garbage whoever set this trap could find. Yeah, rusty old bits of metal that they can't use anymore. Shattered clay pots and that kind of stuff. Bits of glass. Fish hooks. That kind of stuff. Like, whatever's in here. And so you land on it. And it doesn't impale you. But, like, landing on it, you're like, fuck, my legs! Not only Uh that, it's also garbage. So I'm also having a mental breakdown. You're like... You're thinking about how long this has been in here. What was in these pots? Just a nice fine layer of garbage juice is also, like, in here. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, it probably is also mud and stuff like that from rain. Uh, All right. Uh, David, meanwhile, Pascal does not uh, fall onto this spiky, sharp garbage that, unfortunately, Comet just fell on. However... um, you can tell me how he manages not to be hurt by this. It could be just he falls and gets lucky. Maybe this thing that he did kind of works to like, oh, I landed in this pit, but then I just land and I'm not hurt. Um, But I do want you to tell you are reminded of something awful from the calamity. So like in the calamity, Something awful happened to Pascal. What was that thing? Maybe there's like a flashback of a, you know, momentarily of, um, like Pascal's like a, I guess it would be, this was 15 years ago. So maybe he's like 20-ish old years old. And he was like fighting in the capital at the Calamity. Maybe he fell into a similar kind of pit like this. And oh, maybe he just flashes back to see like his uh, like foot soldier, you know, people that he was fighting with for the capital soldiers that were just like impaled on these intense, like way more intense, like spikes at the bottom of a similar kind of pit. And he freaks out for a second and he just kind of takes another grip of this uh, spear and just like shakes it off. He's like, oh, that was a close one. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a. A grim, a grim vision you have as you look down and see Comet and maybe help him up out of this. 
it takes a minute, but Donato and Farley, you guys can get up out of this thing. And um, Pascal and Comet, like with their help, they can pull you up out of this. But this was not insignificant. Uh, this instant incident. Um, and you look nearby and you see that not too far off from where you are, there are corpses. And uh, these are human corpses, but they are not in the armor of the honor guard. In fact, they seem like they're in rags. So are these uh, like newer corpses, I guess? Ooh. How are you, how you trying to figure that out? Uh, we'll examine their wounds and see Ooh. if... Uh... That's fantastic. Could you roll discern realities for me? Oh, yeah. That's my, fav my favorite thing to do. Uh, seven again. Seven again. All right. You get a question here, and I'll try to give you as much info as I can from this. So the, the obvious stuff that you see is I think that there are um, three corpses. There are probably two very close to one another and another one uh, like just a little distance off. And all three of them are humans. All three of them are dead. They're corpses after all. Um, and um, all of them are wearing like rags. Oh, also um, they look like they uh, are armed though with like um, knives and like a club. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, I think I was setting up uh, what happened here recently, right? What happened? Sure. That's your yeah, question. That seems to make most sense. All right. So you look at these guys, you kind of look them over you maybe look over at Farley and remember some of the, the escapades he's been up to at this time or that time and some of the crimes uh, that maybe that you've heard he's been involved in. It depends on if there's uh, uh, evidence or not. And what you're able to basically figure out is um, these people are definitely bandits. And they seemingly—they seem like they have set themselves up here. There may be bandits or scavengers that are hoping if somebody comes through here, they'll fall into this pit, and then they can steal their stuff, possibly eat them. Who knows? Um, they're humans, so they're not the original folks who had lived in this corridor. Um, but one of the things that you can tell is that whoever killed them—you uh, remember back to like the weapons that you saw the orcs using uh, a lot of which were like axes javelins um, weapons that are usually like rely in part on like the orcs having just like a lot of strength behind them and these are these are wounds that are not made by those these are much cleaner wounds um, that you would wager are probably made by swords and you wonder to yourself, well, if nobody fell into this pit, because after all, we fell into this pit, then why would these bandits attack someone who was like well-armed with a sword that 
doesn't quite make sense unless there was maybe somebody who was not with them. So you think that someone who was not arm, armed, who was viewed as an easy target, could have perhaps been targeted by these bandits, and then someone else killed them. And that that person was not an orc. Do you relay this over to us, Pascal? Oh yeah, for sure. Is there? Does anybody else have like something else that I, could get us any more information out of that? Because I can try to share more information if anybody has another way that, aside from just making a second discern realities roll, which I'm not a, a big fan of doing in that situation. But is there anybody else who has some other ability or thing that they would want to do to like pull that info out? Because I think I gave you the info. But if there's any like additional thing I could just kind of fill in. Uh, I do. I would tell the, I, I would just say to the party panic, like, do we really need to know what happened here? Is it, is it really crucial? Is it incredibly crucial? I think Pascal just kind of shrugs like, well, I suppose not. Is it, is it going to happen again? I mean, I, I would like to know personally whether there were more of these pit traps or if there was someone else that was going to stab us. So, yes? So, I have been reading in, in the library. I, I might be able to, to speak with them. Um, I just I just want it as like a latch, like a last ditch effort. Because, you know, not one to really want to touch people, let alone bodies. But if it's important and we're going to find the, the heir, I will do it. Are we down in the pit? All of us? No, you guys got out of that. Okay. All right. So these bodies we found outside of the pit. Yes. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, I, I can help you, your holiness. And, I, and I'll, I'll grab the bodies and I'll lean them up so they're sitting up against a wall. Just in a row. Yeah. Arrange their hands in their laps. Yeah. Like Pascal had <laughs> said, it was probably, these bandits probably used this pit as like a, people fell in our pit. Now let's rob them. So Does that so help? It, it does, yes. Um, I can only ask three questions, though. So what are the three questions that we want to ask? I love it. Who, who killed you? One. Was it a worthy battle? Maybe. <laughs> that goes on the maybe list. That's on the maybe hand. I feel like we should ask if they saw, like, a kid, if they saw the air. Like, how fresh are these bodies, yeah? Yes, that's a good one. And do the uh, you, you guys know that these bodies are very fresh. Like I think like Pascal, you could even see like like already you already know like like some of these wounds are like some of this blood is still wet kind of a thing. Like these people were just recently killed. Third like maybe question. some of the bodies are a little warm still. If, if 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 we have an extra question, did he have a cache of supplies that perhaps we could use? I feel like that's a good one. So, Nato will um, shrug and say, uh, "Well, probably took the words out of my mouth." But whatever we do, we could definitely use more information. Nothing, none of this adds up. Okay, sorry, I cut you off there, Folly. No, so the questions to review, the questions were, who killed you? Did they see a boy? Did they have a cache of supplies nearby? Okay, perfect. Where is it? 
Well, if, if I guess you're the other one's still in the maybe, sure, I guess. It is it is still it's still definitely in the maybe. If we have a fourth question, uh okay, I need absolute silence. It might guide my hand. Uh so it looks like it's a roll plus my wisdom. Yes. So uh spells, you'll make this roll and all spells kind of work on the same basic premise and then they they have specifics that they do if you succeed. Right. Cuz I know there's a revoke spell and then it looks like 7 to 9 there's a uh an issue. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a 10 or above, everything's cool. 7 to 9 there's one problem and then on a fail it's a bigger problem. No whammies. No whammies, man. No whammies. Come on. Uh that is an eight. Eight. All right. And this is, which is it? So this is Speak Dead. Speak with Dead, yes. Speak, uh, and then, so I c can choose one of the three uh, drawbacks? Yes. Um, I will say, uh, doing so is going to draw unwelcome attention or put myself into a spot. All right. Like maybe the the maybe they're too loud when they answer. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Um, you you like you just start screaming. You, yes, that is exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so you are you just touching this person's hand or caressing their cheek like Marlon Brando and the Godfather awkwardly? Uh, uh, I'm just gonna hand on head like forehead like I'm mm -hmm. baptizing like I'm oh yeah baptizing the demon. Exactly. You you do that. <laughs> And the head just sh 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 just shoots back, um, and maybe if Farley had placed the person against a wall, it like arches the back, and this person just lets out an absolute like. Uh, this one reaches the nosebleed seats, just scream of terror and horror as to what's going on, and maybe just to comment, like get you. Um, this person has this big slash on their chest and like in that scream, some like bubbling blood kind of spurts out. So it's like extra visceral and like terrifying. Can I also scream because yes. he startled me that I start screaming? Yeah, it's great. No one will even hear you. It's the perfect time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're like, that was him. Um, <sighs> Comet's always blaming things on the corpses. He's animated. <laughs> um, but yeah. This, it worked. This person... Um, looks like there's somebody in there they're like a dirty faced uh anywhere from like 17 to early 20s year old uh they've got like scraggly hair and like i said they're wearing like burlapy rags and they're just they shriek and their eyes are open i don't think they're really moving much i don't know how much they are able to move their body around but they're right. certainly their eyes are like in like uh, terrified Muppet mode as they're um, and I mean that in, in all like scary seriousness of like these eyes darting around at what it is that's going on about them I don't know how much of the world they can even perceive um, but you're able to ask these three questions so what is your question the first alright alright you're alright lad um, uh, how you doing <laughs> yeah what's your name uh, no hey there uh, buddy Hey there. You ready? <laughs> hey man, can you can you hear me? All right, that's three me? questions. All yeah. right, see you later. Um, 
the first question uh, was uh, who was who did this to you? I'm I'm looking at the party. I'm not asking him yet. I just this is out of character. I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying yes. it right. Okay, I'm gonna say. All right. Oh, good. Uh, all right, lad. Uh, who did this to you? When this person responds, do they speak, or is it just something you hear in your head? Ooh, that's great. Um, I think that this person, uh, they, because you said they have a giant slash in their chest, I can see their lungs like moving, mm -hmm. and I have to, and it's a very raspy, like outward, like speech. Maybe it's Ooh. very quiet, but I have to like put my ear to them. But oh, gross! <laughs> dead people, <laughs> dead people breath, dragon breath times a million mornings. Yeah. All right, this is gonna this is gonna be rough on my voice, but let me rasp it up. Knights, armored guards, <sighs> swords. They cut us down. We. Didn't have a chance. No chance at all. Yeah, Pascal, you're like, that was the honor guard for sure. So um, even if Comet like didn't make that connection, like the description of how those people were described, like that's that's them. Did you see a boy with the armored guard or, or... a little one? We thought so out of place and so easy. And our death, our mistake. So yes. Perfect. Um, do you have a cache or supplies nearby that we may be able to review? Found. Found long ago. There. And the eyes dart over to like a into a particular like off behind where Donato is standing something from long ago something from them and by them you could tell he means the orcs Donato go check it out while, while he does that and the body stares to de like un be uncharmed I'm gonna look at Pascal and then quickly go oh quickly was it a good battle did you die Oh, nag damn it. It didn't work. Yeah. Fiddle faddle. I'm sorry, Pascal. No, it, it really sucked. <laughs> it, it was the worst. The honor guard said if Pascal was here, they'd kick his ass. Um, they said he's a punk. <laughs> yeah, no, they, uh, I think as this, as this corpse is no longer kind of um, charmed or animated by the spell. Yeah, just that like gurgling from the chest kind of like slows and you hear that. And then the, uh, the the arching that had gone on before, the body kind of like tenses again and then slackens and then is just totally dead still. Oh. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Carbo, oh, Donato, um, yeah, that guy kind of like motioned somewhat just behind where you're standing. And I think that there's uh, like the corner of a building that's still somewhat intact. And uh, if you kind of search around in there, you could possibly find something. 
I'll go ahead and search around in there. All right. You find a necklace. Um, and it's similar to the one that you saw the orc wearing that had the chain and like the leather thong. Uh, the leather is like old and dried and like crumbling and falling apart. Uh, the chain is rusted and crappy at this point. Um, it seems like it may well fall apart too, but on it is this big like ingot of iron. Anything else unusual about it to me? Um, it has a design, the likes of which me as an awesome artist will reproduce right now. Oh, a live drawing. And it's, it's like barely in this metal. It's this ingot of iron, and this seems to have been like stamped or probably, yeah, stamped, but in the way that like somebody used like a chisel or like various tools to do this. And it's so... Um, worn, worn. That the thing is like, like you have to really look at it in the light of the moon to see that there's a design, and the design looks not unlike that. Whoa, Austin, a swastika! Come on, but made out of penises. <laughs> no, um, so, oh man, these orcs are bad. Oh jeez, guys. Uh, but yeah, so. That, and you know it is of orcish creation. Um, sure. There's other stuff in there, but it's basically crap to you. Okay. Um, one of the things is, like, food. Like, uh, rations and that kind of stuff. But it's really, it's a, it's a dried meat, the origin of which you do not know and are not interested in finding out. Sure. You're like, okay. oh. Um, well, Donato will absolutely show everyone the amulet pass around if need be and if, and if no one else wants it he'll just put it in one of his bags now, does Donato recognize it from his time among the orcs ooh does Donato recognize it from his time among the orcs that sounds like a spout lore roll okay uh, that's an intelligence uh, roll I got total of five. Oh boy yeah you're looking at this thing and you're like you're like I'm tr you're trying to remember what her name was Mag Mag yeah you're trying to remember what Mag had shown you in the past, and you're like, this symbol seems kind of familiar, and you're looking at the two things on the sides, and you're like, man, if someone wasn't a good artist, they might portray tusks that way. Uh -huh. And then uh, the thing in the center might be like a sun, or it might be a star, or it might be an explosion, or it might be energy in some kind of way, or symbolize potence or power or sure. the, the orc that shall eat the sun of course yeah and you're you're trying to remember the these stories that she had told you giving you uh, like this information all these many years ago you're standing there and when you get up to like show this to the other folks carl go ahead and roll a d10 for me a 10 oh that's no good all right. Um, so, <laughs> well, you are going to take 10 points of damage. Woof, I have armor a, of one. It, it ignores armor. Love it. I love, love knowing what uh, it is. So this is a magical effect um, by, called Blood Strike. So imagine in a very terrifying um, Zamishi style from Vampire the Masquerade, um, Tremere, Blood magic thaumaturgy 
thing. What does it look like? What do we see as you're hit with this blood strike that does the maximum amount of damage that it could do? Is it coming from the amulet or no? No, it is not. It is coming from an outside source. There is a person doing this to you. Casting a spell, if you will, because you'll find out in a second. Sure. Okay. Um, let's say um, Donato is like still holding out the amulet and like he's holding out to the party and like he, he's like, oh, you know, I seem, if I remember correctly, Mag was described, or he like catches himself, he says Mag, but I, I've heard this description. And before he can say anything else, like just this like torrent of blood comes out of his mouth and like he's like trying to speak through it and his eyes are wide and like confused and then just keeps coming and coming and coming out of his mouth. And like he's like trying to close his mouth to make it stop and just comes through his fingers. Thanks for listening to This American Dice Presents The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser Episode 3, our Dungeon World Adventure. Our cast for this episode included Jared as Farley, David as Pascal, Carl as Donato, Justin as Comet, and Austin as your Game Master. Additional music for this episode included 82Q3 Dark Heavy Anger Fear Metal, <laughs> Church of the Self by Solaflare, 11 by Cowpay, Street Life Silent Film by Lobo Loco, A Dangerous Location by Ron Ernest, Glacier Bells by Daniel Birch, and Weirding Way by Sir Cubworth. Be sure to join us next week, next Friday, for our next episode of Dungeon World, The Fate of Blackburn the Lesser. And every Thursday for our long-running games, in this case, This American Monster. And don't forget, every Saturdays on YouTube, we'll be releasing our old long games, and Sundays on YouTube are old short games. The website that we use is taking those things off because we're only able to have 300 episodes up at a time, apparently, on our podcast feed. Join us on Facebook, and check us out at thisamericandice.com or .net. Check us out, tell a friend, and like, subscribe, rate, and review the whole thing. We'll see you then.